Parenting, one of the hardest, most joyous privileges we can have in this life. How can we obey and perform God's call to raise our children up? In this new series of messages called Raise Them Up, Pastor Chris Chadwick teaches from the Bible God's plan for parenting. Uh, Chapter 3, verse 18, Colossians, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Thanks, Bill. Um, It's a true statement. I really mean that. Thank you. Bill motivates me to be a better husband. Verse number 20, children. Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Someone rightly said, and I, I, I thought this was insightful, the thing about parenting rules is there aren't any. That's what makes it so difficult. The reality is parenting is a lot like getting into shape. Almost everyone knows what it takes to some degree. Expend, if you want to lose weight, burn more calories than you ingest. Stop eating donuts. I say that because Bernie was very gracious and got us donuts this afternoon. And now we have to work out harder. But we all know what it takes. Most people have an idea. But few people will implement what they need to do. As a matter of fact, most folks raise their children, see where you line up on this, and I would say most, like 90 to 95% of folks, will raise their children like this, like they were raised. This is how my parents raised me. This was good enough for me. Look at me. I survived. (laughs) That's a low bar, by the way. I survived. Look at me. And so they'll raise their, their children that way. Or they'll go to the exact opposite extreme. This is how I was raised. I hated every second of it. So this is how I am going to raise my children. Or, and I would say the vast majority of folks, as a general rule, just wing it. We just take what comes. We'll just try to figure it out in the moment. You're going to hear many things in the series about parenting in the next four or five weeks, many of them that you've heard. Some of them you haven't. It's my desire that you will, this evening, determine that you will be a better, more godly, Christ-centered parent, and you will rid yourself of your biases, and you will follow the Bible. In order for that to happen... What's going to have to happen is, number one, it's going to be a one-point message. You're not supposed to do it, but point two would take too long. There must be an openness to change. There must be an openness to change. In order for us to be all that God wants us to be, we must be constantly evaluating our parenting and willing to change and to make it more Bible-centered. Well, why would we do that? Turn over to Psalm 127. It's not on the screen, so turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 127. Verse number one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. 
It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up, to sit up late. Oh, I should have quoted that this morning. Video gamers. To sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, you Cleveland Brown fans. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Look at verse 3. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the head of mighty men, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Why must I be open to changing and willing to become more Bible-centered? Because my children aren't mine. My children are the Lord's. No, no, these are my kids. No, no, notice what it says. They're a heritage of the Lord. Your children are a gift from God, and the fruit of the womb is God's reward to you. Your children are not your own. You are really, if we could say it this way, nothing more than a steward or a manager for your kids. That's all that you are. That's all that I am. I'm a manager. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guide. I'm a helper to help guide my children. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number seven, to guide my children into Christ likeness. That's my responsibility. That's really my requirement. And in order to do that, there has to be an openness to change. Many people change their parenting, but they are changing it in a negative way. Uh, we live in a constantly changing world, and COVID has not been a help to us. I remember what it was like to run a daycare before COVID, and I can tell you what it's like to run a daycare after COVID. And in truth, it, it's chaotic on almost every level. Children without any discipline. Children with, I mean, children, I mean, when you're kicking four-year-olds out of daycares, there's something going on. People are like, why are you kicking my son out of daycare? Well, because he got the Al Capone Award four weeks in a row. <laughs> Parents, we live in a, in a crazed world, in a constantly changing world. The Word of God must be the standard. And we must submit to that. And the more our world changes, the more we need to stay secure in the Scripture. Here's the idea that so many people have. Well, the more the world changes, we don't want our kids to be so outside of the world, so let's change a little bit because, I mean, I know the world is changing, but, but we, 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 we want to kind of go along with it. No, no, no. If the world is in violation of the Scripture, we want nothing to do with the violation. I mean, think of this. First time I preached on parenting, I knew so much. I was 31. As a matter of fact, I think I was still 30. Judith was, I don't know, six. Natalie was four. Neither of them had many teeth. Text messaging was done on a nine-digit keypad. How many are old enough to remember that? You had to hit like the letter one, and you're like, A, B, C. How many of you ever did this? Like you get to the C, and you accidentally hit it again. You have to start all over. Like, oh. Like, like you just wanted to call, because texting took like forever and ever. How many of you remember those days? Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, you'll get rid of texting and driving if we go back to that. There'll be a lot of wrecks, one of the two. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, no, no social media had started. None. 
Not, not a single thing. Now you got kids walking to school with their heads down. Literally, chiropractors, chiropractors tell me that we're seeing major problems with young people and adults because they always have their head down in their phone. Our world has changed. There were no self-driving cars. The internet was slow. I had a Juno account. <laughs> AOL was reliable. I looked it up today. Is there still AOL? There is. And they're still as stupid as they've ever been. And Zane Garza was 12 years old. He was 12 years old. And he was way better looking. <laughs> A lot has changed in our world. But what hasn't changed is God's requirement for us, especially, especially for men. Dads, look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. And you fathers... You say, why are you talking to dads? Because it says, in fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's, dads, it's ultimately your responsibility to make sure, and I know that moms do such a, they, they carry such a heavy load in helping in this and aiding and coming alongside a godly mom being yoked together for this. I mean, I, there's zero chance that I could, I, I mean, I had to have an abundance amount of grace of God. There's, I don't know that there's a chance at all that Judith and Natalie would have turned out well had it not been for my wife's godly influence in their life. But at the end of the day, men, it is my responsibility to make sure my kids are raised in a godly home. It's my responsibility. That's why he says in Ephesians 6.4, and you fathers. So he's very specific. He could have said parents. He says parents in our text. But he drills down on this. When he drills down on this in verse number four, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So since we live in an ever-changing world and we have an unchanging command, how do we accomplish this mission of raising our children for Christ? Well, we have to be determined and open to change. We have to be determined and open to change. Well, when do we have to change? When we're not loving properly? How many of you have figured this out in your relationship with your spouse? That you can go through good times and bad times when it comes to loving in any aspect. Emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual, any of it. You, you can go through good times and you can go through bad times. The same is true when it comes to parenting. The same is true when it comes to raising your kids. We have to be open to change when we're not disciplining properly or we're not guiding properly or we're not joyful and loving and our family is not a place of joy. When we are allowing things that we shouldn't allow, we have to be open to change. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at a few of these things. But I'd like to give an overview of some of the things that, that we'll discuss in, de in detail later. We have to be willing to change our manner of discipline. Our manner of discipline. Now, I'm going to be super candid. I don't know that I've ever seen such lackadaisical discipline as we're seeing right now in America. Just so... And again, I'm not trying to be unkind, and I'm, I'm, I'm not even probably speaking here, though many of you might include yourself in this, but just... 
either not knowing how to do it or doing it the wrong way or not doing it at all, you see it rampant in our world. It's not uncommon for parents to stay frustrated and annoyed with their children because they've allowed their children to rule the home. And so the parents' only form of discipline is bribery or mockery. I, I was thinking this afternoon, I often watch parents who, who have to fight their two-year-old to get them to get into a car seat. I watched one lady recently, no lie, she waited an hour and a half until her two-year-old was ready to get in the car seat and go home. You say, how'd you feel about it? I thought, you getting what you deserve, I guess. You say, how did you do it with your kids? We didn't use a car seat. No, we just you put them in the car. It wasn't an option. So what are some things that we need to change about our discipline? Number one, you need to change yelling and screaming. Yelling and screaming. Some people say, Pastor, the only way that I can get my children to listen is to yell. Then you need to improve as a parent. The reason that you're yelling is because you're not doing the work early. You're telling your children probably in a meek, calm, quiet voice, hey, come here, and they know you're not serious. They know you don't mean anything by that. Well, why? Because they know how you are. They know that, that when mom or dad, pick your gender, <laughs> don't say... <laughs> God already did that. You get the idea. <laughs> but when mom or dad say, hey, go clean up those toys, they know you don't mean it. And then when they say, hey, I said go pick up those toys, they know you still don't mean it. They, they know you don't mean it until the volume level kind of goes through the roof. Get over there and pick up those toys. I mean, you literally look like a, like a, you know, a professional wrestler at a mic with mean Gene Simmons trying to call out your kid. You aren't old enough to remember mean Gene Simmons, but he was the first commentator for professional wrestling. And you're over there like, you better clean your toys up or I'm throwing them out. Why don't my kids listen? Because you don't mean it. You got to the level of yelling and screaming because you didn't give a rip the whole time they disobeyed you. Gloria and I have an uncle. He's with the Lord now. And he was a nice, nice, crummy, horrible parent. And um, he was a yeller extraordinaire. I mean, one of the best I've ever heard. Some of the things that guy says, I, I think back as a, I'm like, man, that was classic. If it wasn't so hurtful, that should go down like in the hall of fame of, of statements parents shouldn't make to their kids. I mean, it's just hurtful. And, and he had raised my cousin, uh, my aunt, and he divorced, and he raised my cousin. And, and my cousin just had to endure the yelling, and then he could do whatever he wanted to do. I remember one time, my parents, probably not to my benefit, allowed me to spend the night with my cousin regularly. I think they were trying to be a, a friend of my uncle. They probably didn't know how bad it was. But my uncle, I can remember one time, he gave my cousin $20 and 
He told us to go down to the store, and I think it was to buy some milk, buy two gallons of milk. This is back when milk was like a buck seventy-five, two bucks a gallon. Go buy some milk. And we, he lived in Tacoma, Washington, and there was a Lucky store. If you were old enough to remember Lucky, there was a Lucky just down the way from their house. And so my cousin and I, we walked down to the store, and uh, we grabbed two gallons of milk, and and we're getting ready to. I'm getting ready to leave, and my cousin goes, "Hey, you want anything?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't have any money." He goes, "Oh, my dad will pay for it." And I'm like. I don't remember your dad. He goes, yeah, yeah, my dad, he won't care at all. So we got some candy and a couple bucks worth of candy. And then on the way home, there was an A&W. Anybody remember A&W root beer? It's got that frosty mug taste. Yeah. And so my cousin said, let's stop by A&W. You want a hamburger? Sure, I'll get a hamburger. Your dad paying for it? Yeah. So we ate at A&W. We, we had some candy. We go back to my uncle's house. And my cousin puts the, the milk on the counter or in the fridge or whatever. And my I can still smell it. My uncle smells like man. I mean, I literally felt like I was riding a camel in his house. And um, we walked into his house and uh, my uncle said, he said, hey, where's my change? He said it to my cousin. And my cousin said, oh, I don't have any. And my uncle goes ballistic. Where is it? And he's a, he's, he's about five, glory, what, five, two, five, three. He's a short dude. He was wider than he was tall. It's really interesting. I mean, if, if he was a ball, you'd bounce him. I mean, he was just an interesting dude. Again, I love him. He gave much of the, many of the books in my library he gave me. And, and my uncle, my uncle just started losing his mind and just yelling. I won't say the things he said. And he, he looked at my cousin and he goes, what'd you spend the money on? He goes, Chris wanted stuff. Well, my German mom, my uncle's sister, my mom is his sister. My German mom is known for not being quiet, having a quick left hook, and uh, a really strong right jab. She, I mean, she spoiled my sister her whole life, but me, it was terrible. And so all I can sense here is like, oh, no, it's, uh, oh, I'm dead. So I did what every young-blooded American kid does and go, no! Nah! I didn't ask for anything. You told me he didn't care. And my uncle goes, who's telling the truth? I said, your son's lying. Remember, he's been in jail. <laughs> I threw him as far under the bus as I could. And my uncle yelled at us, and he's like, you two, get out of the house. I don't ever want to see you again. At which time, I thought that was an answer to prayer. So I was ready to go. And then my cousin looked at his dad, and he's like, no. And I'll just never forget thinking, if I ever told Gerald Chadwick no. I'm still scared when I tell him no. He's like, hey, son, you want to go out to eat? No, not really. I'm worried about a spanking at 50 years old. <laughs> like, if I ever tell my dad no, I'm going to be toast. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. And my uncle said, fine, go to your room. And so my cousin's like, fine. Well, my cousin didn't care about going to his room. He had a TV. Dumbest mistake you could ever make is put a screen in your kid's room. No, dumbest mistake you could ever make. You say, well, my kids really like it. Of course, they can do whatever they want to do. Get rid of the TV. Throw it away. Have a burial ceremony. You could call it smash and grab. You smash it, they grab what's left over. I don't care. But get rid of the, the stupid screen. My cousin goes, he had, we, he had every video game you could imagine. He had everything that we wanted to play. So when my uncle, you know, sent us to the room, it wasn't a big deal at all because we're going to be playing video games. We're going to be eating the snacks that we bought. And so we go into the room, and my cousin's happy, and I'm still trying to figure out what in the world just happened. But I'm going to be playing. This is the original Nintendo. I'm going to be playing. And 
Nintendo uh, Double Dribble, if you're old enough to remember Double Dribble, probably like four of us. Anybody remember Double Dribble? Uh, six of us, great. And so we're playing Double Dribble, and my uncle, I'll never forget it, my uncle comes in the room, he says, hey, would you pause it? And we pause it. He goes, guys, I, I just want to apologize. I, I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have yelled or screamed at you. True statement. But he should have tore my cousin's rear end in half. Okay, that would have been abuse. But not in half, in a third. I'm just being facetious. My uncle needed to change. Yelling and screaming have no place in the Christian home. Pastor, have you ever yelled at your kids? Not a single time. And other lies by Chris Chadwick. (laughs) I can say whatever I want because they're not here. But I have absolutely yelled at my kids. And I've spent a lot of time, listen to me, I've spent a lot of time apologizing to them for it too. I've spent a lot of time apologizing to to them. Number two, yelling and screaming. Number two, harshness. Harshness. Harshness is defined as roughness to the touch, opposed to softness or smoothness. Roughness to the ear as harshness of sound or voice. Roughness of temper. Roughness in manner of words. Severity. Those who raise children as though their children are an inconvenience to them, as though there are other people more important to them, are in a very clear way letting their children, or treating their children, I should say, with harshness. Calling your children derogatory names. I'm not talking about fun, cute, silly names. I used to have nicknames. I'm a nickname guy. If you work on staff, you have a nickname. And I won't go into it. They're just too per- no, <laughs> personal. Bernie's name is BDL or Beetle or Burns, depending on how we feel about him at the time. Mostly it's Burns. Why? Because he burns everything up. Nothing lasts around him, and we joke around. And, and we- but I have nicknames. Today I said to one of the kids in church, just in good fun humor, are you a knucklehead? I'm a knucklehead. Right on. Good. I like that. I'm not talking about silly fun names like that. I'm talking about people like, kid, you're stupid. Can't stand you being here. That's harsh. That's just harsh. That's, that, that's wicked. Mom, dad, you're a picture. Dad, especially, you're a picture of God. God doesn't treat us harshly. God doesn't treat us unkindly. Well, we could go on vacation, but these kids, you're putting the onus of that on the kids? That's an emotional wound that may not be overcome. That's harsh. That's unkind. I just need you out of here for a while. Hey, listen, you might need your own time for a while. You say that to your kid, you're a jerk. It's ungodly. You say, well, Pastor, if I don't say that, I can't get away from them. Well, see, that's going to go back to when you say what you say to them, they need to listen. Your children ought to be so disciplined that when they're outside playing, you say, hey, come here. They stop what they're doing without crying and come and stand right next to you. That when your wife says, hey, come here, 
They stop what they're doing and they come stand right next to you. We expect that of our pets, but we don't expect that of our children. I see parents having to yell at their kids, get over here, get over here. Women taking shoes off, trying to hit the kid in the forehead. Oh, mom's shoe, I guess she wants me again. Why is that? Again, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit funny, but, but, but part of the reason is there's just an utter lack of training. I heard somebody said to me one time, well, well, I need somebody to teach me how to do it. Well, listen, I know people that will go to great extent to learn things about cars and computers and investments. I'm trying to think what else. Bitcoin, uh, theology, but they won't crack a book on how to parent that we would sell in a bookstore like a Christian worldview book on parenting. And so uh, uh, the way that they will, will control their kids is often with a spirit of harshness. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23. The Bible says, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Your family, objective, and not every word can be pleasant. I get that. You're a parent. And you're helping a child who left himself brings his mom to shame. You're, 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 you're trying to cultivate that. But can I tell you that most of the words in your family ought to be joyful, pleasant words. They're pleasant as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul. And parents say, my kids are stupid, nerds. I heard a dad say, when I was your age, I was way better at sports than you are. I'd never lose to my kids in anything. What are you trying to prove? Who are you trying to prove it to? If you're way better than your kids were at sports, you probably don't have to tell them. They'll know. Matter of fact, if you're way better than them, you have the right relationship with them, they'll tell other people. I've never had to say to Judith and Natalie, I was way stronger than you when I was a kid. You say, well, you're a man. I I get it, but I am saying that I I, want to be helpful. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 4, not specifically a verse on parenting, but it's a verse on being a Christian. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Dude, listen to me. Your kids are born with insecurities. They have a ton of them. I just saw Judith here. Man, the last half of my message has to change. (laughs) But your kids are born with insecurities. I wish somebody would have told me that when my kids were young. I didn't understand that. I thought they were like me. You say, were you insecure? I was, sure, I was insecure, but I played it off as though I never was. Somebody said to me recently, they said, Pastor, it's like you never get nervous. And I kind of laughed about that. And I was like, yeah, I never do. And I went back to my office and threw up. And <laughs> the kids are born with grave insecurities. And your harshness is only magnifying that and and stupefying the, 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 the magnitude or the level of their insecurities. Parents, repent of harshness. And you may be harsh from time to time. And I'm not talking about being honest and having to say things that are clear and candid and open. We've had to have those conversations with our kids. And by the way, you can ask either of my daughters. And if you don't know Natalie's phone number, I don't either. It's just Natalie on my phone. Um, 
or Judas, uh, but they're, they're top three of my favorites. And, but you could call either of them and say, has your dad ever had to apologize? And have you ever been able to be critical of the weaknesses your dad and mom have? And the answer to that question is yes. I think they would probably say yes. They better say yes. I'll turn into Uncle Bill. Harshness. Number three, parental withdrawal. Parental withdrawal. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4. We looked at it a moment ago. You fathers provoke not your children to wrath. But here's the key phrase. But bring them up. In order to bring them up, you have to be with them. How do I bring them up? In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You have to be with them. If I could go back. I think I've said this to Judith. I know I've said this to Judith and Natalie. Debbie and I have talked about it. If I could live my life over, the one thing that I would do is spend more time with my kids. I'd spend more time with my kids. Which is why all of our staff guys, you could ask them, I'm, I, I yell at them to send them home. I, I, I like literally yell at them. Like, hey, you need to go home. You have a wife there. You need to get home. Take care of your kids. Go see them. Well, I've got these things to do. They'll be here tomorrow. But if I don't get it done, what? I'm your boss. What, your boss is going to yell at you? Now, that's Bernie and John. Zane, we're like, where is he? Where is he? Oh, he's at home with his kids. Zane hasn't worked a day in a month. Pray for him. He's going to get fired tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I have to send him home just as much as the rest of them. You have to be with them. Parental withdrawal. Well, my kids irritated me today, and I'm just going to do my own thing. And, and listen, you might not even be mad and withdraw. You could just come home and say, I'm just going to read my book and go to my quiet place and have my quiet time, and you just do whatever you want. And occasionally that's probably okay, but occasionally I'm talking like once a month. If that becomes a regular event, what you're telling your children subconsciously or maybe even consciously is I don't find joy when I'm around you. I find joy when I'm all alone. You say, well, pastor, they take a lot out of me. Listen, Baba, you got the thrill, you pay the bill. Well, when is the bill paid? Never. Never. It's never done. I'm telling you right now, I am 50, well, almost 50 years old. I'm not pushing that. I'm, but I'm 49 years old, 49 and a half years old. And, and when I need something or I need to talk to somebody or I'm frustrated or I'm angry, guess who I call? I don't call Judith or Natalie or Debbie. It's Gerald and Arlene. And my mom sometimes is like, why do you always call us about the bad stuff? Because you had me. I don't want to bring this on my family. I'd rather let you two have to deal with it after I hang up. It never ends. And it shouldn't end. And I can't thank God enough for two godly parents that take my call every single time. Every single time. You say, well, my parents aren't like that. Okay. God's going to give you grace in a different area. But let me tell you that the reason that I have that is because... 54 years ago, my parents got saved and began to live for Christ, and, and they determined to change to whatever God told them to do. That even to this day, those two older folks living for Christ are still willing to change, and through good times and bad, they never withdrew from their kids. Not a single time. 
No matter how badly my words hurt them, no matter how badly my sister's actions hurt them, which were way worse than my words, but parental withdrawal. It's one of the reasons I love trail life. Because trail life is, and, and American Heritage Girls, it's a parent partnership with the kids. It's not drop them off at a church Bible study. It's not a want us. It's doing it together. If you're not doing it together with your kids, you, you're not getting it. Parental withdrawal. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 26, next. Oh, man, i got to hurry. I'll be done super quick. Being angry and frustrated with your kids. The Bible says be angry and sin not. Truth is we find it very easy to get sinfully angry at our kids. You come home, they've messed up the house, they're fighting. How many of you get irritated when your kids fight? Can I get an amen or a raising hand? Don't be sh- like some people say, I only had one kid. How many get angry when their personalities fight each other? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you come home, you just want to lose your mind. It's easy to get angry and frustrated with them. And it's easy to take it out on people other than your kids. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm too old to care, so let me just tell you this. Y'all are stupid sometimes. Because you'll have an authority figure correct your kid, and you're like, you don't have to listen to them. You're the biggest fool on the planet. You are as dumb as dumb could possibly be that you would ever, ever take your child's side over an authority. Now, if you investigate and the authority figure was wrong, and by investigation it doesn't mean your kid didn't like it, but the authority figure said something wrong, listen, I, I'm going to go back to the counsel that Judith and Natalie got. If, if, unless they gave something unbiblical or immoral, I'm keeping my mouth shut. Miriam would counsel Judith and Natalie. I don't know that she ever said anything good. <laughs> No, I'm totally kidding. We don't call her Auntie Mary for nothing. I love her to death. Love her to death. But, but she did. So many people, Bernie and Leslie did before they got married. Let me tell you, I like Bernie's counsel now, but yes. If you knew Corduroy Bernie, he was a different dude. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to attack leaders and older folks when it comes to my kids. But I'm also not going to get angry with my kids. I might have to correct them, but I don't want to correct them in anger. God, Praise God he doesn't deal with me in anger. And by the way, I'm not perfect in any of this, and neither is I. Chris Chadwick and Debbie are not the standard. Let me, I promise you that if we're the standard, whew, your kids will turn out like Judith and Nellie, which are awesome young women and love Christ. But they're not the standard. Christ is the standard. Let me just give you the notes. Inconsistency or incomplete parenting. I'll talk about this more. Inconsistent. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I see in our church is that sometimes you're on and sometimes you're not. If I make an announcement, hey, tell your kids to stop running outside. Then, then for about a week and a half it works, and then as soon as you forget about it, then they just run like mad. So what you're enforcing in your kids is that just give it time and dad's rules will change or mom's rules will change. And here's what happens sometimes. We're in a multicultural church, a multi-ethnic church, and people will go, well, pastor, that's, that's your culture. This is our culture. No, I don't have a culture. I just want to follow the Scripture. 
And Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians chapter 3, children, obey your parents in all things. Well, I have to help them obey me in all things, or had to. And still to some degree, we try to help them. Having been in church most of my life, I've seen parents raise their kids and discipline their kids. And the sole purpose is behavior modification. Let me just change their behavior. Can I tell you that it's never the goal of your kids? It's not even biblical. Parenting is more than changing behavior. Go to the main slide, would you? Parenting is more than changing behavior. Parenting is about changing the heart. It's about changing the heart. The hardest fight you'll ever have in your life is the fight for the heart of your children. Dad's the heart fight for the heart of your daughter. Your child is born a sinner. They're going to sin. They may conform to your rules because of fear or terror or because they're not big enough to lash out. But the day will come when they go do their own thing if you don't have their heart. I've jacked myself up and messed up our family with my parenting and so many ways. But I, I, I think if I've done anything right, it's this. I really want the hearts of my daughters. I love them. I want them to find joy in Christ and Chris. I want them to love being with us. Now they're always wanting to be with us. Matter of fact, Debbie and I are leaving tonight and we're going to go somewhere. You say, where are you going? We're not telling. Why? We're afraid Judith will follow. I'm kidding. She, she wouldn't. She don't want to pay for the gas. Um, we raised her to be smart and financially stable. Your child is born a sinner and they're going to sin. You're going to have to confront them sometimes. You're going to have to instruct them in their error as to how they need to change and how Jesus loves them. And you're going to have to be consistent with them. The worst thing that you'll ever do is be inconsistent with your kids. Yelling, screaming, arguing, frustrating, parental withdrawal, all of the things that we talked about. And then you compound that with inconsistency. And that is so difficult for your kids. Because they get a picture that God is inconsistent. I want my kids to know that I consistently love them. I don't care what they do, I'm going to love them. God loves me unconditionally. I'm going to love my kids unconditionally. Unconditionally. When they're, when they're having bad days, I'm going to love them unconditionally. When they're having good days, I'm going to love them. I like good days better than bad days. But my love is not going to change because it's a good or bad day. It can't. Why? Because I have to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Judith is 25. She'll be 26 in July. Natalie is 23. She'll be 24 in October. You say your kids are raised. No, they're not. Well, what do you mean they're not raised? They're 25 and 23. Because when they were born, Debbie and I had an objective. And the objective is 30. We're worried about them at 30. Not at, not at 5. Not at 15. You say, did they always like you at 15? I think I can count the days they liked me at 15. 
But I wasn't concerned really at 15. I, mean, I was very concerned, but that wasn't the end state. The end state wasn't today or tomorrow. The end state is where will their character be when they're 30 years old? How is what I'm doing going to affect them at 30? And I didn't make every right decision and neither did Debbie. But the objective is, is 30. And so if 30 is the objective, then there's going to be some, some mid-course correction. I'm going to see some weaknesses in my own parenting, which is the biggest issue for sure. I'm going to see some, some weaknesses weaknesses in my own and I've yelled too much or I've been withdrawal or drawn or I've been too busy or other things have been more important and I need to get back on track and help these young women grow into women of God and good citizens to be good citizens and good mothers and good wives and good friends and godly and good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ at 30 not 22 that's why we have some deep theological conversations at our house. That's why we've had some pretty passionate arguments that they're allowed to argue in at our house. That's why they've been allowed to call dad out on some stuff at our house. That's why they've been able, I'm thinking of a few things, Judith's probably thinking of 50, but I'm thinking of, of some inconsistencies at our house that in family dialogue and discussion, we're able to go back and forth and just have these discussions, and, and, and Debbie played referee, and by that, Debbie would help them and encourage them to speak truth, and then Debbie would help me not to win the argument through force of personality, wit, verbal knowledge, or whatever, and just listen and respond and have a dialogue one with another. You say, I thought your family was where dad's word is final. Well, my final word is final, but it'll take a while to get there. Would to God that we'll be open to change as parents. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.